we're going to read a few verses in Habakkuk chapter 3. The prayer of Habakkuk the prophet upon Shigionoth. O Lord, I have heard thy speech and was afraid. O Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. And his brightness was as the light and he had horns coming out from his hand, rays of light it means, coming out from his hands and there was the hiding of his power. And before him went the pestilence, and the burning coals went forth at his feet. He stood and measured the earth. He held and drove asunder the nations, and the everlasting mountains were scattered. The perpetual hills did bow. His ways are everlasting. I saw the tents of cushion in affliction, and the curtains of the land of Midian did tremble. Was the Lord displeased against the rivers? Was thine anger against the rivers? Was thy wrath against the sea, that thou didst ride upon thine horses and thy chariots of salvation? Thy bow was made quite naked, according to the oaths of the tribes, even thy word, Selah. Thou didst cleave the earth with rivers. The mountains saw thee, and they trembled. The overflowing of the water passed by, the deep uttered his voice and lifted up his hands on high. The sun and moon stood still in their habitation, at the light of thine arrows they went, and at the shining of thy glittering spear. Thou didst march through the land in indignation, thou didst thresh the heathen in anger. Thou wentest forth for the salvation of thy people, even for the salvation with thine anointed. Thou woundest the head out of the house of the wicked by discovering the foundation unto the neck. Selah. Thou didst strike through with his staves the head of his villages. They came out in a, as a whirlwind to scatter me. Their rejoicing was as to devour the poor secretly. Thou didst walk through the sea with thine horses, thou, through the heap of great waters. When I heard, my belly trembled, my lips quivered at thy voice. Rottenness entered into my bones, and I trembled in myself, that I might rest in the day of trouble. When he cometh up unto the people, he will invade them with his troops. Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines, the labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat, the flock shall be cut out from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Although all that happened, he said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord, I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will, he will make my feet like hind's feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. And that was a psalm, really, that he finishes off the book of Habakkuk with. We want to just look at a few things in relation to that chapter. We won't get too far, I don't think, today. But we have a look at it. It's been a strange week, as we were saying a few moments ago, especially in Foy. We've had this young girl who died in the school, and we've had this 
chap who was murdered. You know, in the first chapter of Habakkuk, he mentioned something. He said, therefore the law is slacked, in verse 4, and judgment doth never go forth, for the wicked doth compass about the righteous, therefore wrong judgments proceedeth. The wicked compass about the righteous. And we can see that happening in the world today. There's wickedness and nothing seems to happen to them. They, they, they seem to get off scot-free in a lot of cases. And we've had the, the legalization of cannabis. I, I saw there was a chap in, in the paper yesterday made a comment, a fellow called Hard Marx. He says, every culture needs something to numb the drudgery of life. Every culture needs something to numb the drudgery of life. It's not a terrible thing for people to have to say. They need a drug to, to numb them against the drudgery of life. And that's the way it is with a lot of people. They find life drudgery. Because they haven't got life. That's the reason. I was listening to the Sunday program there a bit this morning. And Cosmopolitan, the magazine, they, they have appointed a spiritual editor. And she was talking about the, the interview to, to see. And she said that with all that people have, they find that they are not totally satisfied. With all, and Cosmopolitan magazine appeals to all the, 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 the sensuous things of life. But she says, people are finding that that isn't enough. Of course, she went on to talk about meditation and Raki and all the rest of it. But nevertheless, it was interesting that they have appointed a spiritual editor to try and get over to people that there is more to life. There has to be a spiritual side to man. I thought that was interesting. God had revealed to, to Habakkuk in the previous chapters that he would judge the people. Because they had gone away from God, God was going to judge them. And now in this chapter, he opens it by saying that he wants to pray for the nation. He says, revive thy work. Lord, I know you're going to bring judgment on these people, but Will you not revive your work? Israel had God, God's chosen people and they had strayed away from God. Gone away completely. God says, I'm going to judge them. Today, churches have gone away from God. They've gone away from God. Just like Israel did. They've gone after strange gods. You know, there was a thing came in yesterday and I, I must read it to you. The man called Sam, Sam Cobbia the General Secretary of the World Council of Churches. And he says that interfaith dialogue will be a top priority during his tenure. He was, came, came in as a new president and he says interfaith dialogue is what I'm going to major on. I feel strongly that the World Council is the best place to provide a platform for global dialogue of different faiths. The World Council of Churches. Well, we always knew it was wrong, but it's getting worse. And Cobia succeeds Conrad Razor as head of the 342-member World Council of Churches. 342 various churches and organizations are part of the World Council of Churches. You know, the Bible says there's going to be a one-world religion. You can see it. It's here, probably. 
The World Council has long promoted inter-religious dialogue and has provided a home for universalists and syncretists and who deny that Jesus Christ is the only way to salvation. And they held their sixth assembly in Vancouver in July 1983 and it featured North American Indians who built a fire, tossed offerings of fish and tobacco into it and then danced around it. Not that, there were four Buddhists, two Jews, four Muslims and a Sikh were the official guests. And the, the general secretary, he reported to this assembly and he said, it was God's will to unite all nations in thy diversity into one house. You see, the churches are all joining up. Doesn't matter what they teach or what they believe, provided you have unity, that's the, the criteria. And you know, this is what happened to the children of Israel. Look back to, to Deuteronomy. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy chapter 7. And God warned them. And God is warning us today in the same way. Deuteronomy 7. And the Lord thy God shall bring thee into a land whither thou goest to possess it, and hast cast out many nations before thee, the Hittites and the Gergesites and the Amorites and the Canaanites and the Perizzites and the Hivites and the Jebusites, even seven nations greater and mightier than thou. And when the Lord thy God shall deliver them before thee, thou shalt smite them and utterly destroy them, thou shalt make no covenant with them, nor show mercy unto them. Neither shalt thou make marriages with them, thy daughter thou shalt not give unto his son, nor his daughter shalt thou take unto thy son. For they will turn away thy son from following me, that they may serve other gods. So will the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and destroy thee suddenly. For thou, thus shall ye deal with them. Ye shall destroy their altars, and break down their images, and cut down their groves, and burn their graven images with fire. For thou art an holy people unto the Lord thy God. The Lord thy God hath chosen thee to be a special people unto himself above all people that are upon the face of the earth. You see, God had chosen these people. He said, I don't want you to intermarry. I don't want you to be separate. You're to be different from the people around about you. And he warned them. He warned them. If you go on to chapter 8 of Deuteronomy, and it says, 13, Oh, no, go back to 12. He says, When you've eaten to the full and hast godly, goodly houses and dwelt therein, and when thy herds and thy flocks multiply, and thy silver and thy gold is multiplied, and all that thou hast is multiplied, then thine heart be lifted up, and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. And he says, What's going to happen? He says, this is what's going to happen in verse 17 of chapter 8. And thou shalt say in thine heart, My power and the might of my hand hath gotten me this wealth. Well, that's what's happening today, isn't it? Man says, I've got all this collected. I've got it all. Like the, 
the rich farmer who said, my soul you've got plenty for, to store it up in the barns, eat, drink and be merry. But God said, tonight thy soul shall be required of thee. And Israel was like that. And this is the picture that we have in Habakkuk. Israel had strayed away and gone after foreign gods. You know, there were times when they did come back to God. And they did, and God spoke to them. And in Ezra 10 verse 11, it says, Now therefore, the people had realized that they had strayed away from God, and they said, We want to follow God. And here's what God said to them. Make confession unto the Lord God of your fathers, and do his pleasure. That's what we want to do. We want to please God with our lives. And separate yourselves from the people of the land. That was the criteria. Separate yourselves from the people of the land and from strange wives. Now, it's also, we, we, we cannot mix. Water and oil don't mix. And Paul in the New Testament <coughs> continued this theme in 2 Corinthians 6. 2 Corinthians 6, verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship does righteousness have with lawlessness? And what partnership does light have with darkness? We are children of the light, Paul is trying to say. And light has no truck with darkness. What agreement does Christ have with Belial? Or what part does a believer have with an unbeliever? We're talking about fellowship here. We're not talking about mixing with them in, in, in everyday business. We have to mix with people or we'd never be able to influence them in relation to the gospel. But when it comes to worship and praise and church life, this is what he's saying. What part does a believer have with an unbeliever? And what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? You see, our bodies, Paul teaches, is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are indwelt by God. Therefore, what how can we unite up with people who are not the temple of God? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them and I will be their God and they shall be my people. God is dwelling. As God came down and dwelt in the, in the tabernacle of old, God has come down and dwelt in our bodies. The temple of the Holy Spirit. Therefore, he says, come out from among them and be separated, says the Lord, and do not touch the unclean thing, and I will receive you, and I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. And Israel had strayed away, and God said he was going to judge them. And many in churches today have strayed away. They have had marriages. I'm not talking about uh, physical marriages, but they have joined up to unbelieving churches and groups. God is going to judge. You know, God was going to judge Israel. He's told the prophet Habakkuk that they were going to be attacked by the Babylonians and they were going to be taken into captivity. The Chaldeans were going to come and take them away. One of the reasons, of course, was that God had declared 
way back in Leviticus that every seventh year was for the land. The land was to lie fallow for seven years, for every seventh year. And we have no record of that ever happening. During the kingdom period, 490 years, there was no record of that seventh year ever being taken up. So what did God do? Every seventh year, 490 divided by seven is 70. He took them all together. They got out of the land for 70 years. God is not mocked. Do you think that God is going to leave all the churches and people who are teaching false doctrine alone? God is not mocked. And it's no, it's no wonder that Habakkuk prayed for his nation. He prayed for national revival. And so should we. Pray for the churches and our own little fellowship here. That we may be kept close to the truth. That we may not stray. And this chapter is in the form of a psalm to God. He said in verse 2, Lord, I have heard what you said. And what? He said, I was afraid. I was afraid. He was afraid of the coming judgment of God on his people. He said, O oh Lord, revive thy work. So different from any today. There's no fear of God in man today. No fear. And you know, Paul said that in, in Romans. Romans 3, verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. There's none. Paul said, looking out, he said, there's no righteous man out there. They are all gone out of the way. They are altogether become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. Who really believe that? All the good works before we become Christians are good works in God's eyes are just as filthy rags. he says that their throat is an open sepulchre and their tongues with their tongues they have used deceit the poison of asps is under their lips people speak with double uh, as they said, we were saying on Wednesday, they say on the cowboy films, the Indian say he speaks with full tongue. And that's the way it is nowadays, unfortunately. Isn't that right? The poison of apps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. We've seen that in Foley recently. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. What a description of the world today. We look around and we see no peace. And this is it. There is no fear of God before their eyes. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Habakkuk, when he saw all this, he said, I was afraid. I was afraid. Oh God, he says, revive your work. Oh Lord, revive thy work in the midst of the years, in the midst of the years make known. In wrath, remember mercy. In wrath, remember mercy. He could see that the judgment of God was coming and the prophets praised that God 
will show mercy in the midst of his judgment. Thank God, God is a merciful God. The mercy of the Lord. Psalm 119, verse 114. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness, unto thy mercy. O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgment. Quicken me according to thy judgment. He was pleading for God's mercy. Hear my voice according unto thy loving kindness. 119 verse 124. Deal with thy servant according to thy mercy. And teach me thy statutes. Oh, teach me thy statutes, O oh Lord. But judge me. Oh, don't judge me according to your judgment. Lord, judge me according to your mercy. He pleaded for the mercy of God. We don't deserve anything. You know, there's a there's an advertisement for some woman's thing on the on the television, some makeup or something, and it always ends up by saying, "You deserve it." You you know that one? I I, I don't know what's for. You're worth it. You're worth it because you're worth it. You know? We're not worth anything. We're not. We don't deserve anything. We deserve God's judgment. But thank God we receive his mercy when we come to him and Paul when he was writing to Timothy he said this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptation that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief oh he didn't think he was worth it he started off by saying and there's a, 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 a going down in Paul's opinion of himself he started off by saying he was, the, he was the least of all the apostles and he ends up here by saying I'm the chief of sinners he, he, he didn't think he was worth it. But he says, How be it, for this cause I obtained mercy. That in me, Jesus Christ, might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe on him to everlasting life. Paul, he says, I didn't deserve it. I was the chief of sinners. But he said, God showed mercy to me. He's a merciful God. And then he goes into that psalm and he extols the, 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 the whole virtues of God. This God who rode on the waves and who, who, who started off by, it says, God came from Teman and the Holy One from Mount Paran. His glory covered the heavens and the earth was full of his praise. This is going right back to, to Mount Sinai when God appeared in that awesome power on Mount Sinai. Go back to Exodus. Exodus chapter 19. And we read what God's power was like to, to these Israelites. Chapter 19 and verse 18. And Mount Sinai was altogether on a smoke because the Lord descended upon it in fire and the smoke thereof ascended as the smoke of a furnace and the whole mount quaked greatly and when the voice of the trumpet sounded long and waxed louder and louder Moses spake and God answered him by a voice even if a, a beast went near that mountain the beast had to die 
1 to verse 20. Verse 18. And all the people saw the thunderings and the lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. They couldn't stand it. And they said unto Moses, Speak thou with us that we will hear, but let not God speak with us lest we die. The awesomeness and power of God was shown to the people. They couldn't take it. But if you go on to Hebrews, you see what the writer of the Hebrews says. That was in the Old Testament days. Things were different then. Thank God we live in the age of grace. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 18. He says, For we are not come unto the mount that might be touched, and that burned with fire, nor unto blackness and darkness and tempest, and the sound of a trumpet, and the voice of words, which voice they that heard entreated that the word should not be spoken to them any more. For they could not endure that which was commanded, and if so much as a beast touched the mountain, it shall be stoned or thrust through with the dark. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. But he says, we're not come to something like that. We have come in verse 24, he says, to Jesus the mediator of the new covenant. Oh yes, we come to someone who has stood between that God, that awesome God of judgment and us. The mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. And God who was to, would have had to judge each one of us for our sin. Jesus came and bore that sin in his body on the cross of Calvary. And because of that, he stands between that awesome God and us. That wonderful mediator. Our advocate with the Father. And we can enter into God's presence through the Lord Jesus Christ because of that. Isn't that wonderful? The Israelites didn't even want to hear the voice of God. It was too awesome. But we have access into his presence through the Lord Jesus Christ. Amazing, isn't it? We can come to our Lord Jesus Christ and obtain help and succor in time of need to the mediator of the new covenant. But you know that passage there in Hebrews it also has a, has a word of warning. It says in verse 25 See that ye refuse not him that speaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spoke on earth much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that speaketh from heaven. Whose voice then shook the earth, but now he hath promised, saying, Yet once more shall I shake not only the earth, but also the heaven. There's going to be judgment coming on this earth. But let's remember to follow the teachings and doctrines of Scripture as best as we can through the, the teachings of the Holy Spirit and his guidance. He says... Listen to what the voice says from heaven. And you know, this Savior, this same Savior, is the one that we have come to remember this morning in the breaking of bread. 
and the drinking of the wine. This mediator of the new covenant, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are gathered here this morning to remember him. Oh, Habakkuk feared. He was afraid. We love him because he first loved us. And perfect love casts out fear. Why are we here to remember him? Because he has asked us to. That's it. Luke 22, it says, He took the bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. 1 Corinthians 11, 24, And when he had given thanks and break it and said, Take eat, this is my body which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. We remember Calvary. Lest I forget Gethsemane, lead me to Calvary. Calvary covers it all. My past with its sin and shame, my guilt and despair, Jesus took on him there. And Calvary covers it all. Calvary. Jesus, if you look at John 18 and verse 1. They'd had the meeting. They, Jesus had told them he was going to prepare a place for them. That he was the true vine. That the comforter would be sent. And then in John chapter 17 he prays that prayer. The high priestly prayer. The Lord's prayers. That is the Lord's prayer. Not what is called the Lord's prayer. This is the Lord's prayer. The real Lord's prayer. When he remembers you and me. And then when they had spoken these words he went forth with his disciples over the brook Kidron where was a garden into which he entered and his disciples lest I forget Gethsemane lead me to Calvary he went to Gethsemane and there he pleaded with his father if it be possible let this cup pass from me nevertheless not my will but thine be done let this cup the cup of sin he drained the last dark drop it is empty now for me. You go way back to Second Samuel 15 and 23. You'll see that David was rejected by his people. Absalom had risen up in, in, in rebellion against his father. And he had to leave the city. David the king. And it says the king also himself passed over the brook Kedron. He passed over it. And now he was rejected by his people. The Lord Jesus Christ, David's greater son, he passed over the brook Kedron. He was rejected by his own people. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God. But he was rejected by his own people. And he walked over that same brook that David had walked over as a rejected king. And they had turned down the Lord Jesus Christ as their Messiah. And he walked over the brook. Now, what was the brook Kedron? Lovely little babbling brook. No. It wasn't. All the filth and the rubbish came out of the city and down the brook Kedron. He walked over that filthy, dirty brook. 
a picture of the sin and the world. Did it remind him of the sin and the wickedness of man as he walked over that brook? Because he was going to Calvary, where he was going to die for all the sin, the flotsam and jetsam of, of man. For you and for me, my sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to his cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, O my soul. He was to give his life for the rubbish of mankind. As I say, the flotsam and the jetsam. The throwouts, the outcasts. He was giving his life for, for you and for me. So that you and I could be reclaimed, brought back, given a new life in him. We said at the start about that man who said that the world, people, culture needs something to numb themselves from the drudgery of this life. But see, what they need is new life in Jesus Christ. Not their own life, their own life sort of turned over a new leaf and tried to make it a bit better. No, a new life. When we come to Christ, we're a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. It's not an old life rehashed. It's a new life, a new creation. We're a new person. We've joined a different army. We're under a different control. Everything's different. We may fail him. We may... We may go away from him and stray but when we do we can come back because we have an advocate with the father and he pleads for us through his he pleads for us his son pleads before the father so let's remember him this morning in the breaking of bread for what he's done for us and as Habakkuk said he was afraid we don't have to fear because, as Habakkuk said in his prayer, Lord, he says, in wrath, remember mercy. And we can receive the mercy of the Lord day by day in our lives. Amidst us our beloved stands and bids us view his pierced hands, points to his wounded feet and side, blessed emblems of the crucified. What food luxurious loads the board when at his table sits the Lord. The wine how rich, the bread how sweet, when Jesus deigns the guests to meet. If now with eyes defiled and dim we see the signs but see not him, oh may his love the scales displace and bid us see him face to face. O glorious bridegroom of our hearts, your present smile a heaven imparts. O lift the veil, if veil there be, let every saint thy beauty see. <laughs>